Welcome to the Bloom and Grow podcast, where we share stories of those who have grown through grief and break down barriers that isolate us in those challenging parts of our lives. We know that time doesn't heal, but intention does. There isn't a before and after in grief, but we grow through it. Many days more difficult than others. The weight of grief doesn't get any lighter, but we can get better at carrying it. This podcast isn't just for those going through something sad or difficult, but it's also for those who know someone who is, by sharing tips and perspectives in how to be a better support for our loved ones that are grieving. I'm your host, Liz Fidler, and thanks for blooming and growing with us. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bloom and Grow with Liz Fidler. I'm your host, Liz Fidler. Today is actually Wednesday, December 6th, 2023. Tomorrow, December 7th, is my daughter's sixth birthday. And on Saturday is the third anniversary of my husband's death. He died of a heart attack while running on the treadmill unexpectedly. And as we are entering the third anniversary of his death, I think it's very important to talk about anticipatory grief and what surrounds those death anniversaries. And I think it's so important to share during this time that I am recording despite getting over a really bad cold. So I'm really sorry if my voice is a little raspy in this. We'll see what my podcast producer, Abby, can do to edit it out. But it's real and it's real time. And we're launching episodes every Thursday. Today's Wednesday. We actually had one ready to go for tomorrow called Ripping Off Band-Aids of Grief. But that's going to come out at a later time because I think it's so important to share what is on my heart this week and give an insight of what it looks like because that's my whole goal of this podcast is not to make anyone feel sorry for me, not to, you know, wear this badge of honor of how hard my life is, but just show you what it looks like and why it hurts so bad so that when your friend is hurting and they don't even know why they're hurting, maybe you maybe you have a little bit more empathy or can understand or relate to them. And maybe you don't try to fix them. Like, don't try to fix me this week. Just let me be a little off. My best friend came over last night. She actually agreed to be on the podcast. So we're going to, um, she's going to be on it. We're going to record pretty soon. But if you know her, it is not like her to be on the podcast. But I told her what topic I wanted to talk about. And then she said yes, because at first she's like, well, what do you want to talk about? But um, she is also widowed. And her journey has been a lot different than mine. How we have healed has been a lot different, but we are both doing exactly what we need to be. And we are both so proud of each other. But she was widowed in 2015. Jeff, her husband, died in a farming accident when their daughter was had just turned eight months old, actually. And so I, you know, her and her daughter Quinn came over last night and she just knew she knew it's a crappy week. She just knew she just and now she only lives five miles away from me, which is really fun because we used to live about a half hour apart. And so she came, you know, they just came over last night and, you know, she's like, well, you don't have to feed us. I'm like, oh, don't worry. Like, you're just I'm not doing anything special. And it was just a good like, you know, she's like, how you doing? And it wasn't a how are you? It was just a how you doing? And I said, I'm like, I'm honestly doing, doing pretty good. Like I'm, I'm just focusing on Vidalia's birthday and Saturday. We actually have plans for the first time in three years. The last two years, December 9th has been really hard. I have not made any plans at all. And actually the last two years, Davey's gotten COVID on December 9th, which I think was Josh's way of making sure that we stayed home and making sure nobody could bug us and making sure I wasn't 
responsible for making anyone else feel better. And I don't know, it's, it's such a unique thing, but I will say my definition of anticipatory grief is when you know it's coming and it's like your body knows you're manifesting this trauma and you're like softening the blow. And oftentimes the anticipatory grief is worse than the day itself. He died in December and that first Valentine's day after he passed away. And we didn't, we didn't really do much for Valentine's day. I shouldn't say that we always cooked like a steak dinner or sometimes we'd get like shrimp or a couple times we got crab legs, but we always cooked at home. We never went out to eat. And then usually I made like a fruit pizza or something like, you know, just, I don't know. It was kind of our little, like how we celebrated Valentine's day at home. And oftentimes I had to work for most of our relationship because I was working as an RN or rotating shifts. And then right before he died was when I became a nurse practitioner, but oftentimes I had to work. And so, you know, we'd celebrate the night before or the night after or whatever. And so I just, I knew I'm like, Oh, this sucks. Like Valentine's day being alone, not married. My husband's dead. Like it just, it was a really crappy week. And actually I went over to Nikki's house, you know, almost three years ago now. And we had a pizza and, you know, the day of actually didn't really suck. And I don't know, it was just like building up to it. And that was my first, I mean, cause he died in December. I wouldn't call it anticipatory grief when it came to Christmas. Cause I was still like in the throes of major, major grief when that happened. And so I wouldn't say that first Christmas was anticipatory grief, but a lot of it ever since, you know, those milestones, his birthday coming up or whatever. And what I think I want people to understand about this topic is that, you know, surrounding the anniversary of a death, it is not a reminder that that person is gone. Trust me, I didn't forget. It's not, oh, I suddenly miss him and I'm nostalgic and I wish he was here. Like for me, that's not what it is. And I, most of the widow support groups that I'm on, it's, that's not what it is for them either. But I think for me, it's reliving that entire week play by play because when Josh died, I, I I wouldn't say like, it wasn't a photographic memory experience, but I knew like, okay, hold on to this, like take in every detail, remember as much as I can. I have gone through, I mean, pretty much everything from like Thanksgiving on when I look at those photos in my phone back from 2020, I can remember almost every single day, those almost two weeks before Josh passed away and I'm reliving it in real time. So three years ago today on December 6th, it was actually a Sunday. I was over at my friend Tammy's house and I was making, I was decorating a birthday cake. I had never really decorated a birthday cake before. And she is like, she's won awards with her decorating skills. She's an MD. She's a doctor, like just killing it. And she taught me how to decorate this cake. And we actually, that was during like major lockdown of COVID. Restaurants were all closed in Minnesota again, only drive through open. And, you know, you could not go anywhere. All the bars were closed. It was lockdown 2.0. And so I was over there and we were both, you know, she's a MD, I'm a nurse practitioner. And so we actually wore N95 masks. Um, It was a different time, people. Don't judge, but it was a different time. And so we were both wearing N95 masks and decorating this birthday cake at her house um, a couple miles away. And then the next day was Vidalia's birthday and she went to daycare 
and we picked her up and then we ended up doing Burger King drive through because Josh wanted like a chicken sandwich or something from Burger King, even though she wanted McDonald's, but he's like, eh, she won't know the difference, Burger King or McDonald's. And we hardly ever ate fast food like that, but it was her birthday, so that's what she wanted. And then we came home, we had the cake. It was just a really, really lovely night. And I had worked that day and Josh had worked from home and she was at daycare, but then the next day was a Tuesday. So that was December 8th. And I had Tuesdays off. And so Vidalia didn't have daycare. So the day before Josh died, we were home. Vidalia and I were home. Josh was in his home office working. And any of you that listen, so he was he was a boss. He was a manager, team leader. Team leader, that's the word. He did not like the word boss. But he was a team leader. So he had a team of salespeople. And you know, for them that are listening to this, and I know there's some of you that are listening, he didn't take breaks. Like he, he worked his butt off. Like he would not want me to like make it seem like he didn't work hard when he was at home. Like he was the most disciplined work from home employee that you would probably ever meet. But for some reason that day, he just said, he's like, I just really don't feel like doing a whole lot today. I'm like, that's fine. So we were like decorating cookies and he just kept taking breaks and kept coming out and like, I don't know. I have this cute little video of him and Vidalia dancing in the living room with some of her birthday presents. She got this little like flower garden, not really Lego set, but kind of. And so then, I don't know, he just kept coming out and we just had a really, really nice day. I remember I was feeling like crap because I was taking the fertility medications and, you know, I just, I just remember I was feeling like crap and I didn't feel very good. And so then he made like mac and cheese and some hot dogs or something like that. And then he had, he was on our township board and they had a meeting. And I don't remember if he did it in person or not. I don't remember if that meeting was allowed to be in person now that I think about it. So I don't remember if he actually left for that meeting or if he just called in from his office. But either way, he had a township meeting from about 7 to 8.30. And then he came upstairs And he actually like had the phone on mute and he was talking to his cousin, Brian, about buying some land in Alaska. And it was like a three-way call and his uncle Dave was on the phone too. And he like paused it or like muted it and looked at me and he's, cause he could tell I was getting ready to go to bed. Cause I go to bed really early, like nine o'clock and it was like eight 30 and I was upstairs like reading a book in our room and Vidalia was already in bed. And he said, you know, he was laughing and he's like, Oh, Brian's so pissed. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, Brian called and he want. I know he wanted me to say that it was a good idea. And, you know, his dad and I are both agreeing that it's not a good idea for him to buy this land or something like that. And he was just like laughing. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I'll talk to you later. I'm going to bed. And I went to sleep. And the next morning I got up and he was still sleeping and... I went into the bathroom and Josh had written me a note and it was hanging on the mirror in our bathroom and I still have it and I don't know where it is though it's in a box somewhere so I can't read it word for word but something like morning like I packed up Vi's leftover birthday cake some mac and cheese and a hot dog because that's what we had had for supper the night before he made it because I wasn't feeling good because of the fertility meds that I was on and he's like let's hope you're eating for two soon I love you I hope you have a good day Josh And it was like taped on the mirror. And then I went to work. And yeah, and then I guess that day before, that Tuesday, Vidalia, right away at nine o'clock in the morning, Vidalia had a well child check and Josh had his physical. And 
both like completely clean bill of health and you know that we could go on and on and I don't know if Tammy is listening but so she's one of my best friends and she was the one who did the physical and some people might think that the fact that he had a physical or Vi Vi had a well child check was weird or that they missed something but I cannot share enough how much peace that that gives me knowing that there was nothing his his cholesterol was beautiful he was healthy like nothing was missed and I know that because I know her because she trained me okay so it it brought this peace and comfort and the fact that he knew that Vidalia we left our third well child appointment and like at this point she had been kind of an unhealthy kid she got tubes twice in her ears and so like we left there and like she had no ear infection she was doing great we're like okay like this is this is awesome she's healthy whatever so then yeah then we had the rest of the Tuesday and then I went to work on Wednesday and I was texting him all morning about, you know, birthday presents, stuff like that. And then at, you know, noonish, he, you know, around 12, well, 1244, he sent me a text message saying, I don't know, something like it was just, you know, just something about the last thing that we were talking about, like what he picked out like this chicken Barbie for Vi or something like that, that he thought we'd get her for Christmas. And that was like the last text message I got from him at 1244. And then I didn't hear from him the rest of the afternoon, which was weird because we would text back and forth like every hour, we'd, like send something like we'd glance at our phone or whatever. And I thought it was weird, but I was like, oh, whatever. And then my life changed forever when I got, you know, I started leaving and then people started messaging me. And this is going to be an episode for another day um, or maybe never, but fast forward it all. I called my friend, made him go check on him. He had died. He was at the foot of the treadmill. Police came, all of those things. I tried to do CPR. And yeah, he had been gone. And so that's not what I want this episode to be about. But just knowing that this anticipatory grief, like I cannot get the details of that week out of my head. And I know exactly how the events transpired the days before and the days after. I would say the entire five or six days before he died and the next five or six days after he died. I mean, I can look at the clock and tell you exactly what I was doing three years ago on that day. The day after the funeral, I know, or the night of, I know exactly what time my mom got here. I know what time my friend Mandy got here. I know what time my little brother Matthew called me. I know what time my sister showed up at one in the morning. I know, I know the next day when my mom finally, you know, when I was like, well, when's the funeral going to be? And she's like, well, we, we got to do that. We got to call the funeral home. And I just remember saying, what? That's my job. Like that's bullshit. I just lost my husband. I have to plan the funeral. Like, are you kidding me? And, you know, doing all of that. I know what time my friend Amanda showed up. I know what time, you know, I know what we were doing every single day before or after, and I'm reliving it and I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to look at the clock. I'm trying not to think about, you know, I was eating leftover birthday cake probably around the time that he died because my lunch break was from 1230 to 1:30 or whatever it was. And I got my last message at 1244 and I was eating birthday cake probably while he died. And that anticipatory grief, that is what's going through my head. 
taking a quick break from this episode to ask a very, very tiny favor of you. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit pause and go and give us a five-star rating. If you feel compelled or inclined to write a review, that would be so appreciated. But honestly, the rating is all we're asking right now. Podcasts get recommended to people based on downloads and keywords and ratings. And if lots of people are listening and rating it high, then the platforms try to find more people that they think will also like it. So it's a really simple and easy thing for you to do, but it really does mean so much to us. So please consider hitting pause, giving it a five-star rating, and then coming back and finishing this episode. Thank you. I remember when I met Josh, his mom had passed away about a year and a half prior. She died in October 2010, and we met in June of 2012. And he was fine. He was fine. And I, my my friend Amanda that I just mentioned, her mom passed away when I was a freshman in college, and she was a sophomore, and I like brought her to the ER, and my mom did CPR, and it was absolutely terrible. But I was like kind of the front lines of my friend who lost her mom at the age of 45. And... So I kind of thought I knew what it was like or what, you know, which again, and I also thought I knew what it was like to be widowed because my other best friend was widowed. And I remember when it hit like the two year anniversary of Josh's mom's death. And I was like, well, we have to go to Minnesota Beef Expo. It's this cattle show down at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, which is over MEA weekend in October. And he's like, no, Saturday is the two year anniversary of my mom's death. I'm not going. There's mass on Sunday morning for my mom. I'm not going to that. And we had been dating. We weren't engaged yet or anything, obviously. And I just remember, like, I was not as sensitive as I should have been. I was like, well, I know. But, like, are you just never going to do anything that weekend the rest of your life? And it was also really hard because that was one thing that my family really did together as a family. And so it's like, well, I, I just didn't understand. I got it. I knew he was sad. I'm like, well, we can come back for church. And he's like, no, I just don't want to make any plans. I don't want to have to do anything. And the role that he took on when his mom died was definitely the supporter. And, you know, he was kind of there for everyone. And so it didn't really hit him, you know, about his mom really, really being gone until around the time that we met. And then especially the fact that he was now in a relationship that he could see leading to marriage, leading to children. Like, it was always this hypothetical thing, like, he didn't have a family. He didn't have a wife. He didn't have kids. He didn't have, you know, he didn't have a family of his own, I should say. And so that's when it became a really real thing of, wow, I could see myself marrying this girl and having kids and holy crap, my mom's not going to be there if we have kids. She doesn't get to be a grandma. Because yeah, while his sister had a kid, you know, he didn't have any himself and really wasn't planning on it. He was 31, was like, well, I don't know, maybe I'll get married someday. Maybe I won't, but it's okay. Um, Until he met me and realized a life he never knew he could he could have but I just remember you know not knowing what to say what to do and it was it was a really awkward couple of weeks and I I wish that I could go back and tell myself like okay just just be a little more supportive don't try to fix him just let him be sad because I kept trying to cheer him up and I kept you know but I was again I was I had just turned 23 I was 23 years old he was 30 two. And I wish I had known what it was like for him that week because his mom died in a pretty traumatic accident and he was there and he saw it happen. And there was screaming and ambulances and just 
trauma that I know all too well. And he's told me some of the details, but I, it doesn't really matter. I just know that that's probably what was going through his mind around that October time. And the same thing with his sisters and the same thing with his dad. And I know that I don't think I was bad. I don't think I was, a, you know, I don't think I was unsupportive, but I definitely would have been different had I known what that was like. And it wasn't until my best friend, even though, even though I had been there when my other friend, Amanda, when her mom's funeral happened and, you know, I was there like planning the funeral with her. I was at her house the whole time at her parents' house. But again, it was just like a different lens from, you know, I was young. I was only in college and or freshman in college. And then when my best friend lost her husband in 2015, so Josh and I had been married about a year and that was the first time that it really hit me the loss of his mom and, or, or I shouldn't say that it hit me the loss of his mom. It hit me the, the fact like everything that he had to do to plan the funeral and all of that, because, you know, we were over at Nikki's house and a bunch of friends came and stayed at my house because, you know, we all just wanted to be together and, you know, just immediately my house opened up and some of our best friends, you know, Kendra, Sydney, Rachel, they all came and stayed with their husbands and, I remember looking at Josh and, you know, the whole time we're like, well, where, you know, what, what are they doing today or where are they at? Cause we knew they were like meeting with the funeral home and we're like, well, we'll try to bring some supper over there afterwards. And, you know, we were thinking like a couple hours and Josh looked at us. He's like, you guys, this takes all day. Like, what do you mean it takes all day? And he's like, no, 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 they're not going to get home till 10 o'clock tonight. It takes all day, everything that they have to do. And that was the first time it hit me. I was like, you planned the entire funeral for your mom, didn't you? And he's like, yep, I planned everything. And not not saying that, you know, his sisters probably didn't, you know, they probably contributed a little bit, but that was the role that he had as the oldest brother and the one that like kind of held it together. And yeah, he picked the readings, he picked the caskets, he he picked everything, or at least from what he told me. And Jan and Amy, if you're listening, I don't, this is just what he told me. But that actually... When I planned Josh's funeral, I mean, it was at the same church. And so I, you know, they had, they pulled up from her funeral 10 years prior. And I was like, well, what readings did they do then? And they said, well, they did these. And I'm like, okay, well, if Josh picked those readings, that's, that's what we should have at his funeral. And same thing with his casket. I went to the same place and they were like, this is actually the one that they ordered for Mary. I'm like, well, if Josh picked that one, then he obviously liked it. Let's do it again. And so I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to not, you know, get into the huge details of his death. And trust me, like that could be a whole other multiple episodes on everything that entailed during that week. But I just think that this anticipatory grief, it, it extends beyond the actual loss. And it, it, it manifests during these significant events that you just don't see coming. It sucks that Vidalia's birthday is two days before the death anniversary because they are also the most vivid memories I have of happy times of Josh. So it's so bittersweet. And I hate that, you know, her birthday gets a little bit clouded by that. But I think, you know, as we're approaching the anniversary and it's just so complex and the trauma that is associated with it. And I feel like trauma gets thrown around as a word, like, well, my trauma, my trauma, like, 
no, this is trauma. This is actual trauma. Like, drug my husband's body to straighten it out so I could try to do CPR. Like, that's trauma. Eyes were open. Trauma. Can't unsee that. And so I think that, you know, not saying that other people's trauma isn't hard, but like, I feel like the word trauma is a little bit desensitized these days. And sorry if that triggers someone. But, you know, I just think there's a connection between the trauma of the loss and the symbol of the anniversary. And just reliving the events of the day can intensify the grief, not just about missing Josh, but the the traumatic circumstances surrounding their death. And maybe it was, you know, maybe, I mean, for my best friend, Amanda, or I say my best friend, Amanda, my best friend, Nikki, they're both my best friends, my childhood best friend and my college best friend. I wasn't there when Nikki got the call, but I was there like hours later. But I was the one who went and found Amanda after my phone just kept calling or ringing and ringing. And my brother was like, he called and it was like nine o'clock at night. And he's like, you need to get Amanda and you need to get to Tyler to the ER. And I knew she was out for a walk and I went and found her like she was with a friend. She actually had just broken up with a boyfriend. And so she was all emotional. And I, I drove and I picked her up and she was, yeah, she would, she went for a walk and it was, it was October 1st. And I was like, Amanda, you need to get in my car. We need to go to the Tyler ER. She's like, what's going on? I said, I don't know, but I'm supposed to get you there. And we drove, it was about 40 miles and we didn't know what was going on. We knew it was a Monday. So we knew my mom was on call. Nobody was answering. There wasn't great cell phone reception. There wasn't really a lot of texting back then. And, um, Truly, we didn't know if it was like her family member or mine, because if something happened to one of my family members, they'd probably say the same thing. Like, why don't you grab Amanda, grab a friend and come like, just calm down. Like, don't rush to get here, get here safely. But we want you, you know, just we don't want you driving here alone or something. And so we didn't we didn't know what was going on until we walked in and there was the waiting room and there was her whole family sitting there. And they were, my mom was trying to do CPR on her mom and they waited until Amanda got there and then they walked in and said she was gone. And like, that's, that's her trauma. And, you know, Nikki's trauma is, you know, the sheriff showing up and Jeff's parents showing up and telling her and, you know, so it doesn't, I mean, whether you witnessed the death, whether it was end of life, you know, cancer, whether you were there in the last breaths or not, like the moment that your life changed is that moment. And that's what sucks about that anniversary is it's, it's not about missing that person. It's about the moment that your life changed for you without your consent. I did not consent to this. It was taken away from me and that's when it happened. And so I think that's one of the worst parts about it. So I think that it's going to be so unique for everyone. And the timeline is going to be so different. As I am entering year three, I am actually, so one of Josh's best friends, Brent, not my Brent, my Brent, my fiance, they were friends, but not like best friends. But Brent and Beth, I asked Brent to be, there's other Brent, well, Brent Nelson. <laughs> He is Davy's godfather. They have twin daughters. Like we're really close to them. They were, you know, one of Josh's best friends. 
I had him be a casket bearer and we're going to hang out with them on Saturday. And that's the first time I've ever made plans. And they were like, we know it's a hard day. I'm like, no, this feels so right. Let's, I don't even know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something fun and we're going to try not to cry. (laughs) But I, I didn't know how long it would be until I would make plans on that day. And maybe it'll go back to like, "Mm, I'm never going to make plans on that day ever again, but we'll just see what happens. And it, there is no timeline. There is no, you know, so how do you support that person? Just, you know, be empathetic, be understanding, just try to create a supportive environment and be open to communicating about the feelings, but maybe they don't want to talk about it. And so don't try to fix them. Know that it's not them like being really sad. It's, it's just maybe reliving those days. And so you can offer like, hey, do you want a distraction or do you want to just feel it? Because sometimes I just want to feel it. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's okay. I glance at the clock. Yep. We're, this is what we were doing on that day at that time. And I think that, you know, as you try to move forward and, you know, be a supportive person for them, or if you're the one grieving yourself, like it's a gradual process and, you know, just the emotions of this week can be so intense. And for some people, maybe it's a day. Some people, maybe it's a week. Some people, maybe it's a month. One of my favorite shows, I haven't watched it in a few years, but it's usually I binge watch it in the fall, but Gilmore Girls, they talk about Luke's dark day and it's the day that his dad died and he goes missing. And everyone's like, oh, the dark day. And I'm like, oh, I wish I just had a dark day. Like I got a dark week. I got a dark month. I wish I had a dark day. And it just you know, you find resilience, you find strength, you get better at carrying it. You let other people care the, carry the weight. But I just want to give an insight of what, what it's like for me with that anticipatory grief. And again, none of these episodes are ever meant to seem generalized or tell you how other people are feeling because I don't know how they're feeling, but I'll tell you how I feel. And maybe it can give you some perspective of, the complexity of what your loved one is feeling. So I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you have a, I don't want to say blessed holiday season. I want to say, I hope you have the December that you want to have. And maybe it's hard and maybe you decide to ignore the holidays. Maybe you decide to just, you know, skip it all together. Maybe you decide to do all of the old traditions. I have an episode that I'm writing right now about tips for getting through the holidays. (laughs) But yeah, I just hope that you continue blooming and growing with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the Bloom and Grow with Liz Fiddler podcast. You can find us at bloomandgrow.llc on Instagram and Bloom and Grow with Liz Fiddler on Facebook. We're always looking for stories of those who have gone through the trenches of grief and found a way to keep blooming and growing through it. So if you have an idea for an episode, please send us an email, liz at sunnymarymeadow.com and tell us what you think. You can also go to our website, www.bloomandgrowwithliz.com and sign up for our email list. You'll find all of that information in the episode notes. Thanks for being here. Bloom and grow.